Welcome into the final three HL of 2021. It feels like a Friday on a Wednesday, and we are locked and loaded, ready to go with you until 6 o'clock. Alongside Ron Slay, Brett Batchelor, our producer, I am Will Bowling. It is Music City Bowl Eve for Tennessee. Coach Mack, Todd Furman coming up later on in the show. And Vols basketball starting SEC play tonight against Alabama. Lots to cover. Little time to do it. No huddle offense for the next three hours right here on 104.5 The Zone. Rod Slay, how we doing? Hey, I'm in the build. Best believe I'm in the build. Better be ready. I'm in the build. build. Carly got no rules. Time for the show. Well, we're building. I'm doing great. <laughs> I am doing fantastic. I am ready to see a Vols victory. I'm ready to see the Vols drag Purdue. I'm ready to see the Vols spank Bama and address the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, I made address the, address the elephant yeah, in the room. Pun, pun intended. How about that? So you've been listen, hanging out with man. me way too much. Yeah, you like that, Will? <laughs> I did. <laughs> see, I knew you liked that. One. Hey, man, listen, I'm hyped, dude. This is it. Coming from. The Memphis game not taking place. All of a sudden, so now we got a top 10 matchup. Oh, top 10. Top 25 matchup tonight with Tennessee and Alabama at Alabama to open up SEC conference play. Then, back during that with, you got um, Purdue coming in here to our second home. That's right. Our, I'm saying our, because I'm a Vol, and I'm saying our, because we own this state. <laughs> Second home in Nashville, Tennessee. Anybody don't like it? I told you to call up. I'm here. I'm all ears. Talk to me. Let's go, Vols. 615-737-1045 is the number. Brent Doherty and Don Davenport, a well-deserved week off for them. But we are here rocking and rolling with you until 6 o'clock with a lot to discuss. Titans practice report will be coming here mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. We'll get you the full update on who was there and who wasn't, but slay off the top today. One roster move already for the Titans. Taylor Lewan back off the COVID list. Good. Back on the practice field. Oh, that is terrific. Taylor, man, welcome back. Let's stay back. How about that? Let's, that would let's, be a good thing. Welcome back and stay back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's let's fight off this little bug, this little injury bug, and let's go all in. You got a playoffs to get ready for. You got two games remaining. Man, you ought to be energized. Woo! That blood ought to be pumping over that left tackle. Tackle that kickback. Woo! That kickback ought to be so serious. I ought to see about three pancakes. No syrup. <laughs> Come Sunday. That's all I'm saying. In the snow. The left side of the Titans offensive line back on the practice field today. Roger Saffold was back as well. Mm. Uh, according to Jim Wyatt, who was at the uh, Titans practice today, Corey Levin was the only guy he says was not spotted at practice. Okay. So you're talking about getting Jackrabbit Jenkins back on the field. You're talking about getting the left side of your offensive line back on the field. A.J. Brown, Golden Tate, of course, on the practice field today as well. A welcomed positive. We have not had a lot of positives that are actually positives that aren't COVID positives True. to talk about this week. And that's those true. are a couple right off the top. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you made, you named one, Saffold. I, I'm so happy Saffold is back, man. You're talking about a guy that you know really, really wants to be out there. Every snap has been gutting it out. So happy he's cleared and back out there, man. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see them dominate. This Dolphins team. 
This is a hell of a defense they're going against, too. And we will give you the full preview of Titans and Dolphins coming up here in about 15 minutes. Coach Dave McGinnis scheduled to be with us at 320 and Todd Furman at 430. Slay, we went through the NFL betting guide yesterday with Alan Bell of Sportsline.com. Mm-hmm. Today we give you a full college football playoff betting guide. The over and the under, the point spreads, the best value pick. Yeah. in the college football betting landscape of these last couple of games and the games that start to really matter coming up uh, on New Year's Eve this weekend. So looking forward to getting the full breakdown from Todd Furman. That Georgia-Michigan game, I still have no read on whatsoever. Yeah, Because I feel like I'm caught between Stetson Bennett revealing his true colors and just not being a great quarterback in the SEC championship game. Or I could see Michigan walking in there not having seen a defense like Georgia's the entire season, and Michigan puts up like six points. And that's that's who I want to be um, locked in with. I, I want to know is this the is this really the Georgia defense we've seen all year? Were they were they exposed by Alabama, or was it a situation where Alabama and Nick Saban was just able to expose one of his pupils? Right, is that what it was? Sure. Because me, I'm sure. gonna be honest. I ain't in no gray area or anything with it, Will. I'm, I think this defense is serious. I do, too. And I think they yeah, PO'd about the, what what they put out there on the field in the SEC championship. I think they can't wait to get back out there because just for them to be mentioned that this being a game kind of like a toss-up for them, I think they want to go out there and put the smack down on them. And they're going to show Michigan. I'm going to be honest. And this is the SEC. And we got to stand on that because it means more. It hasn't so far. The SEC is zero five in bowl <laughs> no, games. No, it is not. Can you believe that? You know what? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think at some point, with um all of the COVID and things of that nature, if, and te- and players opting out and everything, like it's been happening for a long time. But you, I mean, the teams that have played, Mike Leach, Mike Leach in Mississippi State, Will Rogers, a lot on his shoulders. We. Every game they come into this year, we didn't know what they were going to go give us, you know, coming out of the game. They could go out there and drop 50 or 60, or they could go out there and lay a goose egg like they did in the bowl game. Right. So, I mean, it's, with these teams, man, it's up and down. But I will say this. The teams that you know that have been consistent, they are getting ready to play. Mm-hmm. Teams like Ole Miss, teams like Kentucky, teams like Tennessee, Teams like Alabama, teams like Georgia, and people just because I'm naming them in that order don't mean that's the way I'm. That's the way I'm saying it. Just relax. But I'm saying that to say, you know what you're gonna get from guys. You didn't know what you were really gonna get from Florida. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know. You didn't know what you were gonna get from Mississippi State. Like I mean, the list goes on and on. So I mean, kudos to the teams that beat them. Like that's what's up. That's what you're supposed to go out there and do. Handle business. They did that. But man, I'm still. If you want to say SEC top heavy or whatever, man, I, I think I think they're gonna handle business. What I do want to know for the rest of the nation, though, with Oklahoma and Oregon coming up, you got a Big Twelve opponent versus a Pac twelve. What you gonna do in this? Sure, that's what I want to know. So the one that's really surprising to me was Mississippi State because we mm-hmm. talked a lot about the motivation for Mike Leach against his former employer, right? And how big of a storyline that was. Mm-hmm. I felt like Mississippi State was probably the most motivated of all the first four SEC teams mm-hmm. that have played in bowl games so far. They looked the complete opposite. Yeah, they looked like the least motivated team. Uh, Will Rogers throws the football fifty-three times, two hundred ninety yards, uh, but thirty-four to seven. Texas Tech and the Liberty Bowl. That yeah. makes no sense to me. 
Yeah, but this this is what I'm saying too, though, Will. At this point in the season, I'm always going to take that team for what it is at this point because you showed me enough exactly who you are. Auburn, people are still going on the preseason picks of Auburn. Auburn got handled. Yeah. By Houston, who was a better team. Right. You know, and then Mississippi State, they've been up and down, fluctuating all year long. I mean, that's that's part of them. Now, if this happens with who we got, if, if this happens with teams like Kentucky, who is finishing second in the SEC East, like, that's different. You know what I'm saying? You, they just got to show me. Maybe I'm a non-believer. They got to show me. My eyes open now, people. Show me. Big games uh, in the SEC coming up tomorrow as well. We'll get to that, of course, with Tennessee and Purdue. Slay, we've got a lot of Tennessee-Purdue previewing to do here on today's show. And the biggest advantage that Tennessee has against Purdue in this football game, obviously Purdue's top two receivers, they missed 2,000 receiving yards in their top two guys, David Bell and Milton Wright, right. who will not play tomorrow in Nissan Stadium right here on 104.5 The Zone. But uh, 5 o'clock hours when we're going to do that, uh, give you an in-depth breakdown of the Vols and the Purdue Boilermakers because as much as Purdue is missing, you would think, like Chris Lowe, like Alan Bell have said with us this week, Tennessee should be a pretty healthy favorite, should be pretty comfortable in this game. Yeah. But breaking down the matchup specifically, I think there's one big area where Tennessee uh, can really, really do a lot of good things uh, against Purdue. So we will get to that uh, coming up in the final hour of today's show. But coming up in a couple of minutes, Slay, yeah. uh, we talk with Coach Dave McGinnis, and we're going to start that conversation talking about John Madden. Uh, rest in peace to one of the great ambassadors of the game of football mm-hmm. at any level, one of the great minds in the game of football. Slay, it is so rare to get someone who has impacted a, a sport and a game in three different ways and three different stages of their life like John Madden. Yeah. You have generations that remember him as a coach. You have generations that remember him specifically as a broadcaster. And you have generations that remember him as the guy in the video game. Yeah. Yep. It's it's incredible the way that guy transcended every level of football that he impacted and was able to uh, touch a lot of people and to impact the game of football in different stages of his life. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right to it, man. You hit it on the head. When you leave here, man, I think a lot of – and like, listen, we hate for our loved ones to leave and people we admire and look up to. But when they do, you want to be able to look back on their body of work in their life and say, man, what type of impact did they have? You just hit it on the head. Was able to impact generations. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's just what we saw on the surface. You know, hopefully when a lot of people go see this this ESPN doctor, they're going to re-release and play again. You can dive deeper into it. You know, I heard um, Al Michaels talking earlier on um, um, ESPN today and was saying that, man, he was also a renaissance man. Like, he was really – tapped into a lot of other things. So it's going to be interesting to see this. This is usually how it happens when the person passes. You start to unfold things and see the different layers that they had. But he's one for sure, man, that was embedded in my in my childhood, adulthood, and some more stuff, man. Kept me comfort, kept me uh, comfort um, while I was overseas and some more yeah. stuff. So yeah. when you're over there by yourself, man, you ain't got nowhere to turn, nobody to call on, nobody to um, have a conversation with. 
You can always turn on Madden, man, and feel like you got a little piece of home with you. So, man, rest in peace to him, man. And he did so much more that we'll dive into more um, on the show. But I know we got to get the break. But can't wait to get Coach Mack on here from him, too. Yeah, and coming up next, we will get Coach Dave McGinnis on the line, get him talking about John Madden, the legacy that he left on the game of football, plus breaking down how you stop Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins Offense. 3HL, the final one of 2021. Coach Mack joins us when we come back on 104.5 The Zone. Three HL on 104.5 The Zone. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday alongside Ron Slay and Brett Batchelor, our producer. I'm Will Bowling in for the mayor and Don Davenport this week. Great to have Coach Dave McGinnis with us. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been pr- protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach Mack, what's going on? Hi, Ron Slay. Doing good. Coach Mack, what's up, brother? Um, everything, Everything's good. Just uh, sitting here watching some tape on Miami, getting ready for this weekend. Love it. We will get to Miami coming up here in a minute, the full breakdown uh, of this matchup. But, Coach, I wanted to start uh, with the news yesterday, obviously, with the passing of John Madden, such a great ambassador for this game as a player, as a coach, uh, as a a broadcaster. In every possible way, he kind of touched this game. Um, As you kind of reflect on his life and his career in football, what sticks out to you the most about him? Yeah, well, the, the, this news unexpectedly broke last night when Rhett and I were on the air doing Mac talk. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we had a chance to, to go over it a little bit after we got through, you know, getting over the getting over the shock of it. And as you, as you look back, I mean, some people, you know, make their imprint on various industries, you know, in their life. But John Madden was an icon. He was an iconic coach. I mean, he was an iconic broadcaster. And he was, a, he was an iconic influencer you know, in the league. You know, you know, through, throughout his entire life, and so, yeah, when you lose something, somebody like this that is uh, as, as big as he was in a lot of different areas, you know, I, I didn't, I, I interacted with with Coach Madden a little bit when he was broadcasting and would come in to do the Bears game, uh, you know, the Bears games when I was when I was up there. And, you know, he he started out his career with the Raiders as a linebacker coach, so he always liked to talk linebackers when he came in, and he always liked to talk offensive line. That was his that was his true love. But I mean, just just, I think, you know, a lot of times we use the word iconic and it gets thrown around a lot, but this time the word really applies because just think of all the influence that he had. And even, you know, he was coaching even up until he passed away. You know, that, that Madden committee that, that, that has about five or six coaches on it as, that rotate, you know, throughout their times on it. I mean, that's a big thing as far as influencing how the game is played today. And he was, uh, you know, his his impact – will always be felt both, you know, by those of us that have been in the, in the profession and also, you know, everybody else surrounding. I mean, you know, just, just think about, think about how all encompassing the EA sports thing was, you know, and it started and nobody had any idea it would be what it is today. But, but I mean, and really, you know, John Madden was, was, he was the, he was a man of the people. He was, he was every man's man. He really was. And so we've lost a really, really iconic figure. Coach Mack, that that voice, um, you knew that voice. You could you could distinguish it from anywhere when Co- when um, John Madden came on. But outside of that, Rhett, we were in the green room and we were talking, and Rhett um, 
Red Gordy B, my guy, came in and asked, like, what what did what did a guy like John Madden uh mean to you? And I was like, man, I missed the coaching part. You know, I definitely saw the commentating and him being yourself up there, and it wasn't like the lights cut on, and then all of a sudden, boom. You know what I mean? Ooh, that was a pun. Look, look John Madden just came out of me. They didn't, go, they didn't even try it. But, but boom, it just it cut on for him. That was always him. But I knew him from the game itself also, the video game. And I was telling Red B, it meant, man, that you were going to be in the house um, your parents didn't have to worry about you. You were going to be over your friend's house or they were going to be over your house. It was never a mystery, man, where are they at at the park or who, who whose house are they running over? What trouble are they getting into? Because, man, you could always find them at somebody's house playing a John Madden game. So I remember growing up, man, it meant so much as far as being able to keep kids out of trouble, um, trying to teach kids how to compete. You know what I'm saying? And you got you got to be conscious of time, man. You still got to eat, do your work and everything. You know what I'm saying? So it was a reward in a lot of sense also. Yeah, I mean, and as I say, that just goes along with what I with what I mentioned earlier, uh, Ron, about mm-hmm. how transformative he was. Right. You know, in a lot of different areas. But he always came across because he was. In his broadcasting, he was very genuine. You know, there there was nothing contrived about it. And you're you're right about one thing. When you knew that John Madden and Pat Summerall were doing your game when you were coaching, it was a big game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you knew that, and, and so I mean, they were they were two of the tone setters. And then you know, John Madden worked for all four major networks. I mean, right. come on. And, and, and as you said, just the 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 far reach that he has had, it will be felt for a long, long time. You know, I mean, players you know used to wait till the Madden the the Madden game of the year came out to see who's. <laughs> Who was on the cover of Madden? Yep, you know, yep. so I mean, it's a, it's it 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 just, and I, I think probably when he started out, I mean, he was a head coach when he was 32 years old after being, you know, a very young linebacker coach for a couple of years there with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I, 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 he, he, he probably never went into it, you know, uh, thinking about how big of an impact can I have, but he did always go into it. I really believe just the interactions I had with him by being genuine with people, and that that really shines through no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Coach Dave McGinnis with us here on 104.5 The Zone. Coach, when you look at Miami, Jalen Waddell obviously jumps out in what he's been able to do this year, passing Michael Thomas for the second most receptions by a rookie in NFL history uh, on Monday Night Football this past week. He's in the slot. He's outside a little bit, but the yards after catch ability for this rookie has been so impressive. What jumps out on film about him? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's an instant accelerator. He's very smooth. He's a hands catcher, uh, and look, they use him in a lot of different areas. I mean, he he he's he's deadly when he's just lined up outside as a receiver. But once they start moving him around, they'll put him in the backfield. They'll do fly motion. They'll do yo-yo motion with him. They'll do a lot of things to get him the football. You know, you know, tap passes. A lot of things to get him the football, but his instant acceleration, he's a real problem when you're trying to spot tackle those throws, especially those throws that are going to come in the short to intermediate areas mm-hmm. off of the RPO action that they use quite a bit. And so, I mean, it, it, it puts it puts stress on everybody because this is a guy, I mean, he's a dude that can take it any to the house at any time. So, I mean, he's hit the league, you know, taking the league by storm. And it was not surprising because he's blessed with a lot of innate athletic skills, but he's also, he's a good football player. And that's something that, that, that comes out. I mean, you, you could tell it when you were vetting him, you know, in, in, in Alabama. But mm-hmm. you see him now, and the way that they're using him, they're devising ways to get he and Gasecki, they're tied in the football, yep. because those are the playmakers. 
And coach, when you talk about this fast-paced RPO offense for the Miami Dolphins and getting the ball out of Tua Tungavailoa's hand really quickly, uh, how do you counteract that as a defense with your front seven? Because I imagine a, a big point of emphasis for Miami is trying to neutralize Jeffrey Simmons and, and what the Titans have in that front seven by getting the ball out of Tua's hands quickly. How do you scheme a defense in order to counteract that and, and get him kind of out of his rhythm? Well, the guys up front have still got to get off. They got to get off, and they got to lock out, shock and shed. They can't worry about the RPOs. They got to they got to get off and dominate the guy in their gap, and then get to what's going on. It's the second and third level that are influenced, you know, by the by the RPO. And basically, you know, it's a lot of times on the RPO. Now it's different with this quarterback because he's left-handed, and, and and things are coming at you from a little different angle. But but if people really understand the RPO, the reads on the RPO are really on what's happening at the second level away from the run action. You know, because that's 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 who they're trying to influence and see what windows they can they can open up. The RPOs when they when they open and face out, you've got to spot tackle on that. But what it does, it puts it puts mental and physical pressure on the second and third levels because if the ball's coming out quick, first of all, you know, you've got to match hands. We always we always talk about and teach or rush people to match hands. Well, you're gonna to have to learn how to match hands on the opposite side this week because it, you know, it's not a right handed quarterback. So you've got to match hands early up, get your hands up. If you're not going to be a pass rusher because of how quick it's coming out, then you've always got to be moving forward to be a pass defender. That's always how we taught it. And you've got to be able to match the hands, make them throw through that picket fence. But in the back end, you've got to spot tackle because those throws are not hard throws to make, but you cannot let the guys take off and get huge yards after catch. Yeah, Coach Mack, you know what? Um, looking at the John Madden games, um, he was one of the guys that created all of these um, couch coaches, the in the stands coaches, and I, I'm one of them because I was able to play the game, man, and, and kind of figure out like, oh, this is what this coverage is. Now I'm learning a whole lot from you, Coach Mack, and I get to sit back and watch the game. And when I'm watching it, it's a lot of things that pop off screen to me. I was watching this game with the Dolphins against the Saints, and what jumped off immediately was the speed of this front seven and how disruptive they are. What what do you what what do you do when you come to the line and you start figuring out and scheming with these guys? What's the ideal of it? Well, what you've got to do, and you've got to be ready. Look, this is a pressure defense. Mm-hmm. This is a pressure defense. I mean, just if you watch the most recent, you know, that I just got through going over again, you know, after watching it on television, I went over it a couple of times to this point. I'm talking about New Orleans, and New Orleans really didn't have a cut dog's chance right. because of the people they had playing. But when you talk about what they are doing structurally, and we're talking about Miami's defense, they're a lot of six up and seven up, which means they're going to they're gonna line up in all the gaps, and then they'll, they'll bail out. They'll bring them. So you've got to be ready not only to protect, but you're going to have to be able as a quarterback, which Ian Book had no chance to do, you've got to be able to decipher pretty quickly. If they're all up, am I, am I, see, am I truly seeing zero coverage mm-hmm. or am I seeing a fake zero coverage and then they're going to go out into five under two deep or they're going to bail out to four under three deep or buzz out underneath these throws that they expect you to make if you're anticipating man coverage. All of that stuff has to be processed very, very quickly. But by their nature, they are a pressure defense, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to be able to block pressure. And do you use that against them, them being a, a pressure defense, like letting them get upfield and you just staying in the pocket with Tannehill and trusting these guys to get open or what? Well, you can't let them get upfield. You, you okay. you, what you've got to do, you've got to understand 
where you are trying to create the pocket, and then the quarterback has to climb the pocket. Gotcha. And that, that, that's what has to happen. And the worst thing that can happen against a pressure defense is for a quarterback to drift laterally in the pocket. Mm. Because when he drifts laterally in the pocket, then the offensive linemen away from the plate have no idea where the safe place is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And especially if he starts drifting vertically, backing up, then nobody has a chance. Okay. Because all of a sudden now, all of your angles are gone. The angles that you have on pressure rushers from the outside is the quarterback being able to step, step up into that center guard triangle, or what I call the cylinder. And if you can't do that, then you've got some problems. Wow. Coach Dave McGinnis with us here on 104.5 The Zone. Coach Mac A.J. Brown led the NFL in targets last week, and it felt like something just kind of clicked with him and Ryan Tannehill on that free play that he caught one-on-one on the outside. And I, and I quoted you on Monday talking to Mike Keith saying, I, I feel like being able to win one-on-one outside at the receiver position is kind of like the offensive equivalent of what you always talk about with if you can win pressure with four on defense – then you can win a lot of football games. It feels like A.J. Brown just winning one-on-one outside is kind of a trump card to whatever the Miami Dolphins do rushing the passer. Am I correct in my analysis there? Yeah, Will. I mean, you are. Because, look, if you can win one-on-ones, let's talk about this a minute. If people are pressuring, well, then clearly the corners are in one-on-one. Right. But they're also in one-on-one if you're playing four under three deep zone. The only time you're not in one-on-one is when you've got some kind of five under two deep zone. Mm. Even in quarters, you're one-on-one. And so you've got to be able to win one-on-one. Before A.J. Brown got hurt, that's, that's all he did. I mean, he's going to win one-on-ones, and and that was a great play, the the free play, because, first of all, it's very smart on everybody. They continued to protect. You talk about climbing a pocket. Uh, The quarterback, Tannehill, started right and then climbed into that safe space to the left and then launched it because he knew it was a free play. But, but A.J. Brown was doing that before he was injured. That, it didn't shock me when he started winning one-on-ones. Now, I was really happy that he won a bunch of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, what, what, what they've got to do is stay away from the third and double digits. You're not going to win that many third and double digits a high percentage of the time. Right. That, was, that was incredible. I'm not sure I've ever seen that before. You know, and, and doing the game when it was third and double digits and they kept, and they kept converting, 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 I went, wow, this is, we're, we're seeing something unusual here. So get better on first and second down and continue to expect and then throw it. You know, I mean, they were one-on-one on his touchdown that he made. He stuck that guy on the outside and then just left him on his left foot on that little quick slant. I mean, this guy's an elite receiver. And so uh, hopefully we can continue to see him. Coach Mack, we talked earlier this week about Dylan Radins and the way that he played and, and what those next steps look like for him after having that first, you know, throw you in the deep end. Here's Nick Bosa. Let's go. Let's go win a football game. What, what did you see out of him? And how do you manage a guy like that moving forward? I know Lawan and Saffold are back at practice today. Those guys are likely going to be available again this Sunday. But how important is it for him to build off of that performance over these last two weeks so the Titans continue to kind of see what they have going into next season? Well, I mean, he, he's, he, he's been building on it all season. He's been practicing hard. And working, and that's what you have to do. You got to work your craft every day. Now he didn't know until Thursday morning he was going to be a starter. But to me, the way that he stepped up, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect at all. In fact, there's a lot of errors. But what he did do is he stood up the whole game and withstood the onslaught. You know, and, and was going against a, some very good edge rushers. And so it's just another stage in his development. But but he he doesn't really need to look at this like oh this is my starting point. His starting point was clear back when he first came here. I mean he he played one game at North Dakota State before he got here. All right, and North Dakota State they're a great program, but they're not the NFL. 
And so to get in here, he's been developing all year. So, you know, it's a confidence builder, but he needs to continue to build his confidence in great practice habits. And and that's what he's been doing. And so I was was extremely pleased for him. I was extremely pleased for the football team. But, look, whenever you have a guy do that, when you when when all of a sudden he's called on to start, I remember when I was coaching here, Gerald McGrath. We all know G Mac, right? Uh-huh. I mean, he was he was David Thornton's backup, for, you know, for years. We go to we go to San Francisco to play a game, a big important game, and 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 David Thornton is trying to work through a groin injury, and we work him out before the game, and he says, Mac, I just I can't do it. And when DT said he could do it, he couldn't do it. So I go over to G Mac, and he's laying on the ground stretching. I tell him to take off his ear, you know, his his headphones. And I, I said, You're starting today. He went. Cool. I won't let you down. <laughs> put it put it back on and played a great game. That's what you're looking for. You're on. You people are on an active roster for one reason to to contribute and to play as well as they can. And they can't do that unless they practice. Mm-hmm. Coach, one last thing for you on the way yeah. out. Dane Crookshank holding George Kittle to two catches last week was pretty impressive. He's got a big challenge again in that kind of gadget role of covering the tight end on third downs. That big nickel against Mike Gesicki. Uh, what traits does he have specifically that makes him so good against some of these really big physical tight ends? Well, first of all, I mean, they, you know, it, it, they, they use him in various packages, and he's not always doing the same thing with the tight end, right. not to give away you know, everything they do. Sure. But look, he's got size and he's got speed. He's got size, he's got speed, and he's not afraid of contact. And, and plus, I mean, he, he accepts that challenge. And look, as much, as much situational football as there is now in the National Football League, you need situational players. And when you, when, you, when you design a role for a guy and say, okay, this week, here's what we're going to do, and here's your part of it, concentrate on that and get it done. And then when they do it, that just gives you as a coaching staff more confidence to, to add to that package. But he's done a nice job. He really has. I mean, the job that he did, the job that he did last week was, was really good, along with the entire defense. There's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just, you know, it's not just like getting in the paint and I got you one-on-one and that's it. There's a lot of other stuff going on around it. But his job was to be able to help neutralize the tight end within the various coverages that they run, and he did that very well. Well, I tell you what, Coach Mac, you get anybody in the paint, you call your boy, and I'm on your, I'm on the way, and that's my area right there. That's the boom boom room, Coach Mac. Ain't nobody mess with Coach Mac in that paint. But uh, hey, thanks, Ron. Yeah. Hey, Ron, let me let me just say this. I, I I ran into you and Brett Doherty in the parking lot real early, mm-hmm. you know, before that before that ball game. You yeah. guys were getting ready to go do your pregame thing, and that was just when it was announced that we were down in offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And I asked you if you could play tackle, and you you got into a stance and started <laughs> shuffling right and left for me. And I said, "No thanks, we'll go somewhere else." <laughs> 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 Hey man, so did man. Hey coach, let me. Hey man, you something else, man. Let me tell you this, bro. Before we get ready to go, coach, I said coming into this last five game stretch, coming off the bye, it was two games that really worried me. And um, of course, NFL got to take it game by game. But it was the Pittsburgh game and it was the Miami Dolphins game. And the reason being because when you look across, not only at the team, but you look across at the sideline who's leading those men in Flores and Tomlin, and they are almost identical to the mentality of what Coach Vrabel has. Do you feel that same way? Oh, yeah, they're the same dudes. I mean, look, look, first of all, they're really smart, all three of them, and they know ball. 
they not only know ball, they know the league. It's important to know the league when you're a head coach right. in the National Football League. you got some of these guys coming in that don't know the league. We already had one that left pretty early down there in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Had no clue what this league was. And there's some others going on. These guys know the league. They're smart. Their players trust them. They understand what it is. I mean, and yes, I mean, I, I, I've always thought that, you know, of course, you know, Mike Tomlin, I've, you know, I've coached against him quite a bit. I'm very impressed with Mike Gray, but I'm a big, big fan. And and Brian Flores has done as good a job as anybody in this league. But mm-hmm. there's a reason for it. They're legit. Yeah. And Coach Mack, I'm just gonna I'm gonna let the cat out the bag, man. I told him I wasn't gonna tell nobody, but Ramon the one showed me that little that little technique when I got <laughs> when I was getting set out there in no, the no, parking no, lot. Like, look, 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 it wasn't it wasn't your athleticism. <laughs> it was the fact that you were a little too fast in it. You needed to just keep your powder dry a little. There it is. If you, if you back up that fast at the snap of the ball, they'll run around you and inside of you so quick. Just keep your powder dry. You've got the athleticism. You just need to figure out the timing. I love it. Hey, I love you, Coach Mac, man. I Happy love New it. Year, bro. <laughs> Coach, thank you, as always, for the time. Oh, Looking man. forward to uh, to Sunday listening to you and I uh, and Mike Keith. And uh, Happy New Year. Good to talk oh, to you. Happy New Year, guys. See you. Right, Coach, Coach Dave McGinnis, hey, man. our guest on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. I forgot all about that, though, dog. Oh, man. I forgot we were in the parking lot. He asked me that. And I, hey, man, but guess what? I told, I, I meant to tell him, man, listen, I don't know nothing about that tackle spot, Coach Mac. Man, Moan told me how to play guard. You know what I mean? So I don't really know. You know what I mean? So salute, Savage. Now we just need you teaching Coach Mac a low post positioning on the low block. <laughs> hey, now that's my area. I'm going to tell you, powder going to be good and dry down now. The boom, 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 oh, down there. yeah. You better believe it. Hey, coming up next, Titans injury report is out. Titans fans are going to enjoy the injury report today and a starter that is back in the mix that we have not seen in quite some time plus coach Mack is talking about being uh, uh not not too keen on fighting going up hand-to-hand combat with ron slay i think i'm in the same boat for something that i have done in the 1045 the zone studios Uh-oh. and ron slay i might be catching some hands Uh-oh. for ron slay oh yeah we need to we need to address this uh, all right we're gonna address that we're gonna address titans <laughs> injury reports 3hl it's 1045 the zone Three HL one zero four five the zone. I'm about ready to run through a brick wall. You're playing dreams and nightmares at three forty five. Brett Bachelor, our producer, you got we got to pace ourselves, man. I like where you at with it. <laughs> I like where you at with it. Hold I up, like wait a minute. Sitting. Y'all I like thought I sitting. was finished. <laughs> Something I like to do. I like to broadcast Will. rap music like Will. I'm a broadcaster. Willard. <laughs> Will Bowling, Ron Slay with you. All right, so uh, Titans practice report is very short today. Mm, Great. We're going to do this first before Ron Slay hops over the counter and fights me. Please, let's do it. It's not going to go very well for me. Mm -mm. Uh, Corey Levin did not practice. Aaron Brewer, Jackrabbit Jenkins, Harold Landry, limited participants. Taylor Lewan. Mm-hmm. Lorel Murchison and welcome back, David Long. Oh, full participants. Well, guess what? What's up? Things on that defense just got a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, it did, and a little bit more dynamite. We have not Shout yet. Out to JJ. We have not yet seen Zach Cunningham play with David Long. That is a prospect that excites me very much. Yeah, very much. Hey, man, David. Ooh, man. I, guess what? 
And one thing you ain't got to worry like, listen, dog, Rashad Evans already got energy. Bud Dupree already got energy. Harold Landry already got energy. Cunningham is a wrecking ball with energy. David Long might be the most energetic out of all of them. Yeah. Man, these dudes, boy, hey. Woo! And see, this right here goes to my point even more. Coming off that Thursday night game against San Francisco, that's why I'm leaning on this defense, and they really saying, if we get healthy, man, y'all can ride all the way into the sunset with us, man. Yeah. Offense just don't turn it over, and it's going to be a problem, boy. Woo, D-Long back? Yes, sir. Willie Long. That's big, especially big with Jayon Brown going on the COVID list if he is unable to go on Sunday. Slay, like it's very nice of the Titans to wait until we're back on the air to make more roster moves. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they just did. And see, that's that's very smart of them, man, because they always know what to do with us. <laughs> but, Will, I'm trying to figure out, what do you know what to do with us, though? Cause yeah, wait, give, what? All right, two more roster rooms, and then I'll okay. let you, I'll well, let you fight me. Why, Titans have placed cornerback <laughs> Breon Body Calhoun on the team's practice squad COVID list. Breon who? Breon Body Calhoun. Is that a new name for you? Yeah. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Breon Borders. Yeah, he, he's not there anymore. Body Calhoun. He's been there since training camp. Body Calhoun is his last name. Yeah. Yeah, he was there in training camp. Body Calhoun. Spell yeah. it. It's his last name. B-O-D-D-Y dash Calhoun. Like Calhouns. That boy, he sounded like he <laughs> needed to be in one of the old 70 mob movies, man. With Ron Al Slay was today there, years old when he learned Dude, that Breon Body Calhoun was on the team. That's yeah. a hell of a name, man. Body <laughs> Calhoun. Didn't he have a, he had the pick six against Atlanta? Yes, in the preseason. Yeah, in the preseason. And I watched that game. Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, it's all right. Hey, we'll bounce back. <laughs> that's great. Body Calhoun, that's cold, boy. Uh, Titans also waived offensive lineman Cedric Ubwehi. Okay. Uh, he had about a two-day stay here. Right. Uh, and then the Titans signed former Vanderbilt wide receiver Caleb Scott to the practice squad. He practiced with the team today. Hey, there we go. Um, all right. So now I, I have messed up. I made a mistake. Uh, so in our 104.5 The Zone studios here, if you never, if you don't watch on 104.5 The Zone TV, you've never been in here. Uh, I sit in the middle. Ron Slay sits to my left. His mm-hmm. back is to the television that is above his shoulder here in the the station. So uh, the pinstripe bowl was on. I, I wasn't really that interested in the pinstripe bowl. I, I was scrolling Twitter and I saw, oh, there's a big goal in a Premier League game. So I quickly get on the guide, and I look, and I see that Brentford and Manchester City are playing on NBCSN right now. Uh, RIP NBCSN, a channel that's not going to exist in three days. And, uh, <laughs> and, and usually the camera in the studio is facing Slay at an angle to where the background in the camera shot is just the door. Yeah. But the way it is now, it has been moved, um, and you can barely see just a little bit of the TV in the background of Slay's camera shot. So Slay looks at me at one point yeah. and is in the 104.5 The Zone TV YouTube chat, as he always is, and says, mm-hmm. now why in the world is there soccer on right now? And I thought I could pull this off sneakily, and I have not done so. Hey, man, so I'm looking, and I'm peeping, and I'm like, what is going on, <laughs> going on in the back? And, man, it's, it's bowl season, people. People making bets and everything, <laughs> man. And Will is in here watching... Uh, European football. <laughs> hey, boy. Brentford leads, uh, or no, excuse me, Manchester City leads Brentford 1-0 in the 80th minute. Well, I tell you, boy. <laughs> boy, millennials. Ramon Foster is in our, uh, in our YouTube chat, and he, uh, he chimed in saying, uh, saying I, I must enjoy tea and crumpets, that I'm anti-American today. 
BB, I'm about to come in there and check on your TV. <laughs> you better not have this on. I got a pinstripe ball on in here. Uh, there you, you got go. what? Pinstripe ball on. Okay, there it's we go. Here. There's All no right. golf on right So now, apparently so. today like, as well, in the honestly. pinstripe bowl, uh, they interviewed New York City FC's manager on ESPN during the pinstripe bowl. See, the fact that you even know this. Well, no, I saw it disturbing. because college football people are complaining about it. Okay. Which the overlap of people that are going to watch an NYC FC game and the pinstripe bowl is maybe 20 people. And yeah, myself but, might be one of them. See, Will, see, you just go, you just almost got your name changed from Willard to Wilbur. You, you almost became a Wilbur. Uh, don't be a Wilbur. I think Willard. this is the angriest that you and Ramon Foster have been. Yeah, like, we can't believe that, man. It's football time. <laughs> Can you man. imagine what Don Davenport would say if she was here? Oh, she, no, this, this would not be on. <laughs> I, I can promise you that. And the mayor wouldn't let this go. Well, mayor, he, if it upset Bam. If he I wasn't here, then. Oh, if I was here, then Brent wouldn't be here. Yeah, but Mayor may let you watch it though, just because it upset Babs, <laughs> just to poke her. Brent like treats me like I'm ex- like I'm a science experiment with you soccer. Are. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you all will. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> we'll, be right, we'll be right back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he uh, he'll be like, so like who's who's playing soccer today? <laughs> yeah. And look at me like, all right, and uh, and then when I asked that, he he like it's like a plant. You have in like third grade biology. Yeah, it's like oh, you you give it shade and water, and then tomorrow it grew three inches. Like Will grew three sizes that day. Yeah, it is. Like I don't. It's just funny. Yeah, anyway, that's right. This is bunk. I'm gonna change it back. Yeah, because Don Let's would see. say. I guarantee you, this game is either over or out of reach. And if it's oh, it's 47 to 10. What yeah, are we that, doing? That's what we need to see. What? what who cares? It is what we need did to you, see. Did you put this in a parcelay? No, I, I was going to. Though, All right, but it's I going back on Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> just, I did, no, man, leave it right here, Will. No, oh, man, we need to find out what's going on, man, uh, in the world of America. 615-737-1045. Todd Furman coming up in hour two. We will get the college football playoff betting guide uh, at 4.30 this afternoon. And when we come back... Uh, We reset the headlines. Take a look at the matchup between the Titans and the Dolphins. Lots more to cover on the final 3HL of the year. One hour Mm -hmm. down, two more to go. It is 3HL, and as always, 104.5 The Zone. Let's go.